was looking at something. Okay. <laughs> Ahoy, hoy, Noiros! The spooky ahoy, of course. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> you need the sound effects machine again. That's true. Well, after last year, there were so many complaints that we just we had to put it away back in the closet. Yeah. But we're taking out our expertise for this episode once again. Welcome to Out of the Podcast, Halloween edition. We're mm-hmm. still in October. You know, the vibes are there. Octobery. Yeah, my neighbor hasn't put up this big inflatable dragon they usually have out, but I got to okay. imagine it's any day now. You, so you're going to imagine the dragons then? Sorry. Oh, boy. I, you know. <laughs> you yeah. set me up for that one. That's like a yin and yang where I both need you to apologize, but I also need to pat you on the back and say, well done. Thank you. But how dare you? Yes. I mean, it, it was there. And, you in know, the, it's like the inventor of the uh, atom bomb, you know, where it's like, hey, that's really smart, but fuck also you. Also terrible. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to com- set the tone. Yeah. I was like, interesting comparison there. I never would have thought about that. Well, but... you, you started this, Dan. Starter Dan over here. That's spooky yeah. enough for a nickname. I don't even need to come up with a Halloween one, but ghostly gentleman Joey here to say, Welcome to the show. Another lightning quick episode I'm predicting. Aren't you glad I'm picking these these breezes? It's true, but I feel like the breeze will be ending soon. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at future run times. Mm-hmm. Even the movie that I, the one I suggested, I don't remember how long it is. I think we're going to be all right. With these two alone, we've succeeded. That's a handshake, right? That's a Halloween handshake right there. Well done, sir. Welcome to the show, everybody. Naturally, we're talking about episode 93 are you ready for some tagline stand to, to get us there well what's the title of the, the movie everybody turn off your lights because we're gonna look skyward and, and see that the night has a thousand eyes i like this title <laughs> that's why i wanted to hear it I, it's a title i've been curious to see what the execution was going to be this whole time and here we are are mm-hmm. you ready now for these taglines Dan? i am very ready yes. that we've been properly introduced Never have the stars looked down on an adventure like this. Okay. Why did he disappear while their kisses still burned with courtship's fire? Mm, nah. What movie was that? Um, not this one. Not this one. <laughs> Dark powers of his uncanny mind truly foretold. Quote, Mary and your love will dissolve in tragedy's tears. End quote. Now. The man who can see into into tomorrow, that was in quotes too, rushes from exile to save another loved one he knows will beat destiny on a menacing night when the stars look down. Yes, Dan, that was one tagline. That's too long. Yeah, (laughs) that's way too long. And finally, for good or bad, would you, Dan, like to know what your tomorrow will be? Before you decide, see the strange story. Of Triton, the Great. All right, that was probably my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, but they're all weird. But yeah, they're, it's they're a all, they're weird all movie. Too, too so, yes, you know, I don't know what, how to market this one. Uh, here we go. That's why. That's kind of partly why I picked it. I, I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, now that you've seen it, you get why I picked it for this month. But um, it's a very, 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 very odd movie. It's a conversation starter. I'm not yes. worried about the uh, discussion here today. You know, yes. the, the length may be tough, but the discussion, mwah, come yes. on in. A lot uh, to talk about. So this was released October 22nd, 1948 from Paramount Pictures. Paramount just on a, a streak with the lads, huh? And they, and it's October too, so they, they know. That's right. 
Did we? Who knows? Uh, directed by John Farrow, screenplay by Barry Lyndon and Jonathan Latimer, based on the 1945 novel, Night Has a Thousand Eyes. You didn't need to change this one, Dan. Mm-hmm. And that's by Cornell Woolrich, who uh, was did this one under the pen name George Hopley. And while we're talking uh, pen names, Barry Lyndon actually was uh, a real name was Alfred Edgar. So mm-hmm. a lot of people just trying not to put their name on this one not yeah, on was, purpose it's just yeah, coincidental. It's interesting yeah uh that's all i have some linden fun facts i found too i don't know if uh it's going to coincide with yours but if you like to chuckle stay tuned okay that's, that's what i'm hyping all right i'm ready <laughs> i'm already looking at that little fact on my screen and it is cracking me up uh <laughs> edward g is back dan that's who i was talking about earlier a, a, a good stalwart old friend so yeah there was a cool trailer for this one, too, I, I found mm-hmm. when I was hyping up the last episode. So um, check that out if you, you didn't. Yeah, I think it's on the, the Blu-ray, too. Oh, yeah. OK. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Perfect. I, so you asked me earlier what I was looking at, and I was I was finally like really inspecting the the cover, art, which I, I, I do really like on this on the Kino Blu-ray. But I was trying to look a little bit closer to the there's like a, a drawing in the bottom right corner of it. And it, it's cool, but it was like a train and and we'll get to it now. But it, it makes sense now. But. I was like, because at first I never really inspected it. And I, I was like, oh, what is that? Inspector Dan bringing back his old nickname. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Always inspecting. We'll inspect ourselves a late night in Los Angeles, Dan, because mm-hmm. we're watching someone who's going to try to kill themselves right off the bat. They're like, you know what? I want nothing to do with this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. <laughs> and it's like a and you don't know what's going on I mean, the audience. It's just it's dark. You see people running, you're picking up stuff that's on the ground it's you're like i don't know what's happening one of my favorite tropes i mean noir yeah. trope but tropes in general i love just kind of coming in on a story and then having yeah, to you're go in the back. yeah um gail russell is back we saw her in moonrise was that the only time we've seen her or was there something else that she's is got, the only time she's got one of those faces you know i love gail russell i have a huge crush on gail russell but it will it, it's the first this is only the second time i think she's been on the show but i'm sure she'll be in other episodes i will say that much She's getting hyped over here. Well, yes. I don't know if she'll be in other episodes, Dan, because she's about to kill herself and mm-hmm. attempt suicide. She's going to jump in front of a train, perhaps the train on the back of the Blu-ray box. Choo-choo, once again. Mm-hmm. But her boyfriend stops. Her. It's like, what yes. are you doing? Busted. That's Elliot Carson, who is a, a oil geologist. Mm-hmm. Everybody's favorite job. And they're like, Very all specific. right, let's go ahead and talk about this. Let's go get dinner let's let's go to another trope in these films and uh get a bite to eat what's mm-hmm. going on and here's edward g robinson there as well and he's like hey guess what i i can see the future i got powers and we'll spoil this now dan i mean we've kind of come up to the plate with this before like a nightmare alley i would say would make a good twofer with this one mm-hmm. but he has these powers in this film. This is the first supernatural, noir, mystical elements, magical, whatever you want to call it. That's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, most, uh, you know, what we see coming up now is he kind of talks about and, and kind of gives a, it's a flashback uh, and a large portion of the movie is the flashback. Uh, and it starts with him being a phony. I mean, he even says he's like a first, he's, he calls himself a first class phony. And then he just. John Trent is his name. He's the mental wizard. Yes, <laughs> um, as he calls himself, and yeah, it's kind of like a you know a little bit of a, like a vaudevillian kind of 
smoke and mirrors sort of show where he tries to pretend like he, he can he's clairvoyant and kind of picks out stuff of the audience um yeah and elliot carson's calling bullshit to this whole thing and he's like yeah. you know you're trying to get gene Cortland is their name mm-hmm. uh, you're trying to get her to kill herself so you can like get some money out of it you're up right. to no good and he's like well I have some smoke and mirrors, but I'm nothing but honest, you know, and, and yeah. uh, guilt ridden as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, come come with me to spin a yarn of some tales of uh, yeah magic and <laughs> mysticism. Yeah, exactly. He was actually in a, a trio, a, a magical trio with actually Gene's father, Whitney Cortland, and mm-hmm. um, also Triton, Edward G., he had his fiance Jenny with them as well. And, mm-hmm. Je- you know, Jenny would kind of be like, hey, I got like letters here from the audience and stuff. And he'll be like, I sense this. and It's legit. It's all legit. Yeah. Too legit to quit, Dan. Yeah. So we've gone 20. We're in the 20s at this point, you know, 20 years ago when he's telling this story. And yeah, at this point, Whitney, he's like, we've been working together long enough. I see that you're not scamming people. How do we make money off of this beyond the little tiny scams we're running here like we could we could run some horses and make some money do the Mm -hmm. stock market maybe some oil you know all the good stuff like we could really we could do good with this that's gonna be great now that he can kind of see what's going on in the future like he has that kind of epiphany or whatever he has where he like accurately saves the the child basically that what really sparks it is there's a woman in the audience who says no go home right now to your kid and yeah. there was a fire at the house and it ended up saving. I mean, they got burned pretty badly, apparently, but they got out and that was like whatever, like light switch turned on for him. But from then on, it was on. So they're like, OK, he has this power. Let's use it. Yeah. But we find that this power has consequences. Like, yeah, no matter what he sees, he can't change what happens. And, you right. know, he, he he saves some kid that he finds like in an alley and he's like, hey, no, go home this way, not that way. And then he just ends up getting hit by a car or something. Anyway, like, yeah. Yeah. And so he's just like, okay, this gift is no good. Um, well, it's the whole idea of fate. And that's just, that's the whole movie. And it's, it's interesting that's, you know, it goes through like a lot of wild, you know, twists and turns throughout the film. Um, but that's ultimately what it's about. Um, and kind of being resigned to your own fate in a way. So he finds it better for himself to just keep it to himself. Yeah. He kind of bows out. Splits up the act, bails on his fiance, who then ends up marrying Whitney and has a daughter that we Gail Russell, yeah. yeah, Gail Russell, and yeah, they've gone off and made it rich based off of what he was able to do for them. Like they bought some land in Oklahoma, oil oil fields, yeah, oil fields, which is the future at that time. And well, I was going to say maybe still, but no, that's the, yeah, fuck oil, <laughs> big big back then in the late late twenties, early thirties for sure. Yeah, how could they know what was to come? He did. That's right. You know what? He could have <laughs> saved us, Dan. Edward G could. Well, I guess he's like, I can't stop it anyways. Yeah, it's so, a it's a it's a it's a freight train. Who knows what kind of darkness he actually saw, but he was just like, let me just deal on a local level because Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> so he's just kind of barely getting by. He kind of sell he's like selling like novelty vaudeville like magician things. Yeah, like somehow, like they somehow he like starts doing that, uh, and he just kind of really keeps to himself in a small apartment. And he also sees that Jenny is going to die based off of the birth of their first child. That's why he leaves. So he's like, because he thought it was going to be his child, but it didn't matter. Whitney put a baby in her, and that killed her. So yeah, yeah, things are bad, and he's pretty bummed out. And then he heads out to L.A. to live in L.A. He's he's right by our old friend. 
Angel's Flight. So shout out to Angel's yes. Flight. I knew you'd be excited about that. Yeah, it was nice to see it again. Yep. Apparently, it's very cheap to ride, Dan. We learned that. Yes. Can't wait to go visit. Yes, that, that's definitely first on our list. Oh, yeah. We're going to hold hands and, and do the flight <laughs> <laughs> like the angels we are. <laughs> so, yeah, he's loving L.A. life, but he's like, oh, shit. I can see that Gail Russell is going to or Gail Russell's dad, Whitney. He's off doing some like airplane thing to break world records, like traveling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's stopping somewhere to gas up. And G. Robinson's like, he's going to die. This thing's going to explode. It's going to be bad. Like, you got to stop him. I'm In his Kansas. old friend. Like, and then, you know, Gail Russell's like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd heard of John Triton before. So maybe we should make this phone call. But. He already had left Kansas by the time the call comes in and yeah. his plane crashes over New Mexico. But her boyfriend doesn't believe him. I mean, he's he's very incredulous and he's like, yeah, I mean, like I was just doing this to humor him just to like kind of just reinforce the fact that this guy is like out of his mind. He just happened to get it right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like how would he how would he know that? Yeah, but uh, he has more bad news, unfortunately. He's like, oh, and by the way, Gail Russell, you're going to go too. your whole family's cursed. Anyone that comes around me is gonna die basically yeah which is like, like pretty wild you yeah. don't want to meet g robinson if anything should be like in a cabin in the woods away from everybody yeah he doesn't even get to have a dog dan he just has no. to be sad and alone no fish nothing Can't. nothing yeah so <laughs> or you know he just needs to take himself out maybe he should be jumping in front of trains you know well, I mean, we sort of get to that at the end. Well, um, sure, it does have a happy no ending. It has a happy ending, but I'm just saying. Mm. Uh, so it's like, good news, you're going to die. It's under the stars, though, right? Night has a thousand eyes. We get mm-hmm. to hear the title. It has to do with poetry and uh, the stars and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, I got that quote in the fun facts. Oh, that's good. That sounds fun. <laughs> I was reading um, William Shatner has a, a book coming out. A memoir and he talked about his time recently in space i saw that i saw like a brief excerpt from that yeah and he was just saying how depressing he found it and yeah it, it definitely was not what he expected and i was kind of thinking of that a little bit during this yeah it wasn't great <laughs> didn't, didn't <laughs> wasn't it wasn't a great great thing well it should give us an appreciation for earth and you know how great this planet is well Hopefully, because it may not stay around much longer. So, well, it's not the planet's fault. I know it's yeah, it's our fault, but the royal are fault. Of course, Look, <laughs> I've been living here for a couple of years now, and I should have done a little better. But we're yeah. gonna we're gonna save the planet, and this is the podcast to do it. If not, we'll get Captain Planet. He's a hero. He's gonna take pollution down to zero. Net zero. That's perfect. That's why, yeah. of course, he's net a hero. Zero. <laughs> net, net, net zero carbon output. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. What was that other uh, Captain Planet, like Bizarro Captain Planet that you had once compared me to, Dan, on an episode? Oh, uh, <laughs> what was his name? Uh, it was Captain... Uh, it might have just been Captain Pollution. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, it's Captain Pollution. Wonder what his theme song was. I don't know if he had one. I mean, I remember the the big showdown. I, I think I sent you that video of the, the two of them yes. fighting each other. Yes. Um, what, what a wild show that was. Better times, you know, where we uh, wanted a superhero to be truly save us, you know? Yeah. With, and with all of his friends that had different elements of, of the earth, you know? You know, and we always made fun of the heart kid, you know, the one with the monkey. But mm. I think a little bit of heart is uh, what's missing ultimately. We need right? it, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty essential element. And, you know, 
as you get a little older, you start to appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a little poetic uh, yeah. <laughs> interlude on Captain Planet. Hey, yeah. we said this is going to be a quick episode. That's what happens. But we're back to the present now, both in <laughs> episode conversation and movie. And uh, they're like, all right, well, you just tried to kill yourself, Gene Cortland. Go home and rest. And then Elliot goes to the police and is like, what happened with this plane crash? And we find out that someone tampered with Whitney's propeller shaft. Yeah. That's suspicious. And then here comes this guy. Hey, G. Robinson, you got some explaining to do, huh? Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> now, this doesn't help Gene, who's like, oh, this, I'm definitely going to die. People are trying to kill my father. Death is out there. And she's like, why doesn't John G. Robinson come stay at the Cortland estate? Like, look after me. You know, you you could tell me we could do live action. Like, hey, watch out. I can see the future and, and you can save me and maybe this thing will work out. You can prevent my death. But it's, it's a full house that night. There's a lot of oil in there. Yeah, it's a lot of like shareholders and other businessmen related to the oil business, as well as police officers, a lot of police officers. There's a lot happening that definitely yeah. everybody needs to know what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out paperwork and all of that. All and, the affairs. Yeah. And John, you know, of course, he's around so many people. He's going to get himself a little bit of vision. And this one's no good. He sees death for everybody else. But now at long last, he sees his own death. Mm. So you want to talk spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this guy's sitting here spoiling all the movies. He sees that the cops are going to kill him in a hail of gunfire. Uh-oh. And we know that there's cops here. So, you know, it's all possible. There's also a, a vision of a lion for Jean that she will die at the, the feet of a lion. Mm-hmm. And there's the stepping on a flower. Yes, a flower, I believe, kicks things off. The first, yeah. mm-hmm. the first step is to step on a flower. And also, I mean, he does, it is, you definitely get some more of the weirdness when like, he, he's very nonchalant when he's going, I think we're right about there where, where he's like going out when Edward G. Robinson's going out and the two cop guards are outside and he shoots, he tries, the one guy tries to shoot him, but his gun doesn't Stops work. working. Yeah. And he's like, this is not my time to die. So yeah. I'm invincible. Like I'm immortal. Yeah. I knew, I knew I was good. Yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew that he wasn't going to kill me. And that's fascinating too. Yeah. I mean, like down to that yeah. every everything is on his side but also is against him you know uh great atmosphere on the Cortland estate though especially like yeah, outside yeah. there right that's it, it is really that nice dichotomy of like film noir and like kind of horror and like fantasy and like weird like it's it's a weird almost dreamlike you know especially outside it's it's interesting i would say this one is you know maybe the closest blend successful just as far as like the other elements, you know, the the supernatural and whatnot. Yes, exactly. There's also a, a a vase that will break as well. Yes, correct. Can't forget that part, that special ingredient. And I think around this time too, you start to see that there's someone around, possibly behind curtains at some point, who wants to do harm to Jean. Yeah, that puts the pillow over her head, and they're like, they don't know if she dreamt it. Exactly. But, but there's that really cool the scene where it like starts to cut to the curtains and you just see movement and everything like clearly someone's there and you're like, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And then you after that also change changes the, the clock because they also mentioned that it's going to happen at 11 o'clock and you see exactly. like, the arm come out of the curtain the hand and come out. Yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah. So it's really interesting that this starts to happen. I mean, there's a lot to happen in this movie with a short amount of time. And, and um, you know, I, I would say one criticism is like, I wish this stuff was kind of 
planted a little better. Like it just sort of happens all of a sudden you right. know, towards the end, but it's still really cool as it's happening. Yeah. Watching it unfold, like how, how it's, it's said to be. Exactly. Um, and at the same time, I think we kind of, we want we kind of glossed over it. So basically they, they think take us back, baby. Yeah. So basically they think Triton is like a, is out of his mind and they end up locking him up because they think he's actually in cahoots with whoever's kind of stirring up all of, all of this trouble with uh, Gail Russell's father dying with the potential that Gail might die. Um, all this weirdness that's going on. They're like, we're just going to lock you up in jail. And it's kind of circumstantial, but we're just going to lock you up anyway. And then the cops are there like, Oh, we'll protect you. Like, don't worry, nothing's going to happen. And then all this stuff starts to begin happening. Like you start seeing the, they're like really careful, like, Oh wait, somebody knocked over flowers, but don't step on anything. But guess what? Stepped on something. I mean, they even know the words that'll be said, like, uh, you know, there is no danger now will be spoken and that's when yes. she will die. So it's like, you know, literally they're telling us how this is all going to play out. It's, it's yes. very interesting. And then, yeah, someone tries to smother Jean with the pillow at night. It's all warish, man. Spooky stuff. Yeah. So the clock strikes 11 and everyone's feeling like, hey, it's all good. Even though the clock has been tampered with, we find out. Yeah, it's it's 11 in quotes. Uh, <laughs> and, and everybody's just rejoicing. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, see, everything's cool. They even they even ran that check where the, the cop calls the, you know, the uh, operator to get the the time or, or whatever, you know, to say like, and like he synchronizes it with his pocket watch. Yep. Oh, he c- even calls it something. He calls it his turn up or something. Doesn't yeah, he? Something yeah. Like that. <laughs> it was, it was, that was funny. One uh, other kind thing. Of, oh, kind of a weird guy. No, I'm oh, just, absolutely. Saying, just absolutely. a very interesting character that, that, uh, that detective or that, I, I think he might be a Lieutenant or something. Yeah. I'd watch that spinoff. Lieutenant Sean, William. Yes, Lieutenant Sean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking before when you were saying like they tried to shoot him with the gun and it stopped working. It was cool also because then he like tries it again after G. Robinson leaves and then shoots. And, and it then works, they're like, yeah. what that what the hell was that? What are we shooting at? And he's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> so yeah. to get him. Now Jean Cortland, she's like, Oh, phew, I'm not gonna die. She's been so scared of it this whole time. But uh-oh, as we all know, the the grandfather clock has been tampered with and we have trouble. Jean goes out to the garden thinking all is well, but, you know, flowers have been crushed. They take away all the lions on the property because apparently there's quite a bit, but they forget one hidden behind a bush or something. And you see that kind of exposed. You see the bush kind of move over a little bit and somebody comes out. Yep. Vase is broken and he Mm -hmm. says, 11 o'clock. Looks like your troubles were over. But the clock inside. Don't be frightened. There's no danger now. Saying, saying what? There's no danger now. He must have met There is no danger now, and then is like, but here's some danger, and starts to strangle her. <laughs> it's it's actually one of the guys that was um in that in that meeting uh with all those kind of oil barons, I guess you could call them. Yeah, do you remember who that was? So I don't remember his name, but he does come up earlier in the movie if you watch. He's the one asking, saying, I want to be here because he was tr- the cops were trying to get everybody to kind of go out in the room and say, look, we're going to take care of this. We're going to protect her. He's like, no, we want to help. Mm-hmm. And like you also then can think back like, oh, no, he just wants to be there. He wants to have the OK to be there so that he can go and kill her. Yeah. Um. So it's a very small thing and you might miss it. But yeah, once but I mean, it's like once you see up. the oil people and everybody there, he starts to become a little more noticeable. But right. I don't yeah. know if they mentioned his name, though. They might have, but again, it all it all happened so quickly. Yeah. (laughs) 
and G Robinson, he's able to escape because he's like, you know, this thing's going down. I got to save her. And he's able to actually do it. He he stops her. But the cops are like, hey, this he's the bad guy. So because he brings up a chair. So he brings up a chair to go hit him. But it looks like from their vantage point that he's trying to kill Gail Russell. Yeah. Wrestling style. Yeah. <laughs> so and, they, oh, and that also makes me think. So the, the, the one the reason that he ended up coming back there is because he, he accurately predicted uh, that a uh, a guy that was in prison that he didn't even know who it was uh, was going to uh, commit suicide. And mm. and he ended up doing that. So once the cops heard about that, they're like, oh, no, this guy actually is who he says he is. Like he knows the future somehow. Um, and then they somehow they were just like, all right, now you can go back there and do whatever. So it's just bizarre how we got there. I just want to make sure we we put that out there that, you know, that's how he arrived at this place now where he's in the position to to try to save her. Yes, maybe too late, but it is just in time. But unfortunately, too late for himself. He's been mistaken for an attacker. They shoot him dead. The guns work this time. And Gene's like, hey, wait a second. Wrong guy. Yeah. So this fucking guy, you know, who uh, was against the merger, the oil merger, and this was how he was going to do it. Take out the Cortland family. Yep. And try to get, yeah, you know, try to take over and make all the money. And then we find a note. Well, that, Elliot finds it, actually. Yes, yes. Our disbeliever who now all of a sudden is like, all right, now that I've seen all this, I guess I believe you. Yes. <laughs> and he finds this note and he's like, oh, hey, here's everything that's going to happen. Yeah, I predicted all, all everything down to the letter. Here's the uh, script. Yeah, which is which is wild. Yeah, that's wild is definitely basically the, it. the name of the game here. So what'd you, what'd you think? Uh, this movie just felt like a fever dream, man. I watched this like late last night and mm-hmm. it was it was wild. I mean, I knew yeah. I know we're in Halloween season, so I was expecting something, but gee golly. Yes. What a ride. You know, I didn't love it, but it's so interesting and it's not yeah. a bad watch. I mean, that you're, you're riveted the entire time. And mm-hmm. like I say, I love those intros that you're just like, you're in it. And then you're like, why, what's happening? Yes. Why is she trying you're to throw in? Yeah. yeah. So I'd give it a, a seven out, out of 10. Okay. Training yeah. points. Visions I, of the future. I feel the same way. I, I really like this movie and I like how different it is because like, like we talked about it, it. I mean, it's very much film noir. It's very much fantasy. It's very much horror yeah. and it, and it works. It's really weird. Uh, it works yeah. in the sense that it's just really, it, it's so different, but it, it still finds a way to hold itself together. And it's very intriguing and keeps your, keeps your attention. Like it holds your attention through the entire 81 minute runtime. It's a good um, weird. I like, you know, yeah. I would recommend this movie. I would, I would say you yes. got to experience this one and, and take it from there. I don't think anyone's going to be head over heels for it, but yeah, it's, it's a solid ride and especially a good October little, little spook fest. Exactly. I, 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 I had this one in my back pocket knowing that I was like, I was like, this was like, first time I ever watched it. I was like, I feel like this would be a really cool October one to throw in there because it's perfect. It has, it has that total, very spiritual horror fantasy it has vibe. a thousand eyes yeah exactly well yeah and, I, you know being you know it takes its name from poetry and in a way like there's a very poetic feel to this movie you know like right. it has you know i would watch this one again just to knowing what i know and kind of go back and enjoying the ride but at the same time just taking it in a little better i wish the sound was a, a, just a little bit mm-hmm. clearer but you take what you can get of course yeah yeah, very interesting. I'll, I'll I'll be thinking of this one for a minute for sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm glad at least uh, 
piqued your interest. Yeah, because I, 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 I like this one. And you know what? I will say this. This is, the, I think, the second time I've watched this. I enjoyed it even more this time around. Like, I, yeah. like it, it had been a while since I watched it. And having kind of had that perspective of it's been away, I've been away from it for a while. Mm-hmm. It, it was really a, a, a treat to, to watch again. Uh, I, I can see that being the case. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, it held up. Like if you're like you said, if you're interested in having another view, it definitely holds up. It's definitely a, a good time. So do this in like the dead zone or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very cool. All you right, ready? Dan, I'm ready to have some fun. You got some facts to correspond with such delight. I do. I, I, I actually found some pretty interesting stuff. So as I kind of alluded to earlier and you mentioned as well, um, the title does come from a well-known poem by a, it's a British poet named F.W. Bordillon. He oh, was around. Bordillon. Like, yeah. He was around in like the the immortal Bordillon, immortal like mid late eighteen hundreds, early early twentieth century, and the poem is is called "The Night Has a Thousand Eyes," and then the actual lines are "The Night Has a Thousand Eyes, and the Day but One, Yet the Light of the Bright World Dies with the Dying Sun. The Mind Has a Thousand Eyes, and the Heart but One, Yet the Light of a Whole Life Dies when Love is Done." It's beautiful. I know, right? It's pretty, pretty good. He did pretty good. That's nice. I mean, you're talking stars and stuff, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. It's nice. The emo kids love that. Why not, right? (laughs) Um, Game come. So so Night Has a Thousand Eyes uh, was actually first released theatrically in England. Um, And uh, it was back in 1948 in Exeter. Um, Subsequently opened in London and Peterborough, England on October 1st in 1948. And it premiered in New York City on October 13th, 1948. And then the official LA release was October 20th. So I think that was more towards what you had mentioned earlier. So actually I had a, going back, you actually like a little bit earlier in, in by a month or so in 1948. What the, the, premi- uh, the, the premieres. Yeah. Yeah. I saw those dates and then I saw the actual dates that it like came out theatrically. So I went with that one, but yeah, but it, uh, I would definitely, I get the call to try this out in London first. It definitely, has a, almost a London vibe to it, you know, just their, their style. I don't know. Well, yeah, I from, think people from UK there. Yeah. Film noir Twitter to see what they think of this one. And if, if they agree, but definitely. Yeah. I, um, I'd be curious to see what they think as well. They'll tell us our yes. most vocal of fans. Shout out to, <laughs> to the, the Brits. We love you. All we of, like, all we like of vocal Europe. fans. Yeah. So director John Farrow uh, is actually, I don't know if you're aware, is the father of Mia Boo, Farrow. I didn't want to hear this fact. <laughs> <laughs> not a um, fan he uh he directed uh, a bunch of film noir actually um he did calcutta in 1947 with also with gail russell um which i just got in that uh box set from the kino sale it's in the, one of the film noir box sets so i'm oh. looking forward to that did the big clock 1948 which is also fantastic alias nick beale 1949 uh that's a kino one i don't have but it's on my list where danger lives in 1950 uh which is uh mitchum and also with Mitchum is his kind of woman, 1951. So he did a couple back to backs with Mitchum. Um, See, now, film noir. Yeah, um, I know he worked quite a bit, too, with the writer or one of the co-writers of this film, Jonathan Latimer. I think they did like mm-hmm. 10 movies together or something like that. Wow. Yeah. So I bet he did some of those. Cool. Critical response. Got a couple uh, little tidbits of some. <laughs> this one's pretty funny. Uh, Le- Leonard Mendelowitz of the Pittsburgh Sun-Telegraph gave the film a favorable review, deeming it, and I quote, a completely unbelievable piece of hocus pocus that turns out to be better than fair movie material due to its fine cast and taut direction. Nice. This film is generally praised for its gloomy adaptation of Woolworth's writing, 
uh, in his book Art of Noir by Eddie Muller. Uh, he writes, no film more faithfully captured Woolrich's sense of doomed predestination than Night Has a Thousand Eyes. Timeout Film Guide, however, in spite of praising the cinematography by John F. Seitz, uh, gives the thriller a negative review, uh, saying aside from the fine opening sequence, Lund's rescue of Gail Russell from the brink of suicide and discovery of her mortal terror of the stars, a disappointing adaptation of Cornell Woolrich's superb novel. So, well, you know, sides, sides of the coin on that one. At first, I was like, you know, I could see how you wouldn't like this film. I do. But, you know, if someone said they didn't, I'd be like, all right, you know, it's not for you. But he, they did say it's not as good as the novel, which you kind of have to be like, all right, well, that's yeah. possible. Books are usually always better. Yeah, in a lot of cases. Yes. Um, and finally, uh, Screen Directors Playhouse broadcast a 30-minute radio adaptation of the movie on February 27, 1949, with Edward G. Robinson and William Demarest reprising their roles. So a couple of the originals, yeah. including at least Edward G. Robinson. But that was the only cast members that I was able to And Lieutenant Sean. You had oh, to get... Yeah. Well, that that was William Demarest. William so Demarest. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you replace him in that role? He's you iconic. Can. Yeah, his his voice and, and just his <laughs> delivery. Yeah, it's, it's hard to hard to replace that. But yeah, that's that's all I had. Uh, you said you had some some other facts. <laughs> I have one fact okay. I found. I uh, just kind of was glancing that made me chuckle. So uh, Barry Lyndon and Edward G. Robinson have a connection even before this. He actually began as a playwright. And uh, his first play was called The Amazing Dr. Clitterhouse. <laughs> okay. The char- lead character's name is indeed a play on the term for the clitoris. Mm. And he was saying that, of course, it was a, a big daring pun for 1936 at the time. Even now, I think, you know, you might have some controversy. But he said he wasn't worried about the censors because, quote, my view was that he was no more likely to locate the pun in my title as to locate the source of it on his beloved bedfellow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then the screen rights were acquired by Warner Brothers, who made it into a film with the same title, starring Edward G. Robinson and Humphrey Bogart, actually, isn't it? And Claire Trevor. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, so... That'd be an interesting watch. The Amazing Dr. Clitterhouse. You see a title like that, you got to bring that to the show if possible. Yeah. <laughs> Barry Lyndon. Cannot. Cannot. Uh, that's all I got, though. Any, any closing thoughts on this little mystical mind trip? No, I yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, just same same thing. I just it's a it's a nice film to watch in October for sure, regardless of whether you're really looking for a film noir or not. But either way, I, or I think foggy it's, night or rainy yeah. night. It's a rainy night in the beginning, which you know is a always a good atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. I would definitely say put October on the top of your list. You could do this in Night of the Hunter. You know, Night of the Hunter. Yeah, and... exactly. Do the the night in quotes uh, go. feature. Either yeah. it's hunting you or it's staring you down with a thousand eyes. Either way. Either way. Yeah, Get ready I, for I think some that, dreamlike that... spookiness. Yeah, that would be a cool double feature. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this feature. But next week, Dan, Mm -hmm. are you ready to get amazing? I am. Because we're going to 1948 and we're going to go ahead and visit ourselves. The Amazing Mr. X.
dangerous. How could Paul's presence possibly be dangerous to me? To your plans. You want to get married and lead what is termed a normal life. Then, Christine, if you have the courage and the will to explore, I will help you. And, uh, must you feel that her beloved husband is close to her? I'm surprised he hasn't asked me to lay an extra place at the dinner table. <laughs> what are you so startled about? You're used to raising the dead, aren't you? I'm very much looking forward to this one. Oh, I know you are. You're going to be, I, I, I mean, I was pretty excited to hear what your thoughts are in this movie, but this no boy. next, this no next boy. movie is, is going to keep is ramping gonna, it up. Is, is, yeah, I mean, I didn't, it's, it's tough to say that you can ramp up from this, but this movie's pretty wild too. I'm so. shocked by this right now. I really thought this was as crazy as we're going to get, but now no. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week even more. That's a good yeah. way to hype, Dan. Yeah. You should do a podcast. I should give it a shot. Um, yeah. If you did do a podcast, where would they find you on Instagram? Uh, I think it was out of the podcast. Yeah, you got to register that before the lads get it. Yeah, I should. But Twitter, though, huh? You can't get that. What What did you register instead? I couldn't. So I got out of the cast instead. Oh, that's pretty good. That's, I tried. That's good. You know, what is that about a, a Broadway cast? It is. Yeah, oh, that's, that's exactly what it's about. Good. Clitterhouse, Dr. Clitterhouse, another production <laughs> of... <laughs> Makes you think of uh, Caddyshack 2. Remember that? When uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, uh, he, he said he, the alias that he gives Robert Stack is uh, is Mr. Mrs. Esther House. Uh-huh. Is the code I, didn't, name for some I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably the only person that remembers that because I love Caddyshack 2, but I digress. On the, on the record, once again. Yeah, I digress. Uh, if people want to share in your love of Caddyshack 2, where would they email you to do so? They can absolutely e- email us at therealoutofthepodcast at gmail.com. And I would love to hear your thoughts on Caddyshack 2, as well as this movie. And any movie, any any film noir, if you want to talk about it. If you want to give your review to us about the amazing Dr. Clitterhouse, what podcast services would you do so? Uh, you would do it anywhere podcasts are available. Spotify, uh we're not on YouTube yet. What else is there? Google Play. Yeah, yeah, uh, Amazon. Yeah. Apple. Uh, Apple, yeah. Do you use those services? We yeah. don't. Why not? Yeah, why not? Give them a shot. They're they're struggling yeah. out there. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we're here to to go back to our struggle and toast to it. Thank you for joining us once again for Halloween and these brief ones. Maybe next week will be longer, Dan. I wonder what the runtime is. I don't both think in it, movie and show. I think I think we'll be okay from what okay. from what I remember. I don't remember it being it's super weird long. enough to give us some gas. We'll see. Usually, it's usually it's always the weird ones that are super short too. You know, like, I know they're always the ones that are like really really fast. We're too weird out. We need to get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'm skeeved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wait till next week. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, let's go ahead and raise our glasses. And until next week, here's the crime. Here's the crime. Ridding.